All right, let's talk about all these bowl games. I think there were a thousand, and there were four of them that were yeah. pretty good. Oh, now, now. <laughs> all right, five, five. I, I forgot the other okay. one. Did he steal your silver medal again? No, he let me borrow it. <laughs> I would never steal it. I know. I was with you when he let you yeah. borrow it. I still can't believe you let him borrow it. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Cam, you've got tremendous street cred on this program because you called Zach Wilson being very good to great first. And now you're talking about Jaron Hall in your latest article uh, about quarterbacks going into the 2023 draft, not this next one, but the one after that. And you're saying Jaron Hall has first-round potential. Tell us again what you see. It's simple. Uh, there's there's things that you cannot coach, and Jaron Hall has them. It's like Zach had the accuracy, the poise, the arm talent, and the touch. Jaron's got that all, but he's also got a little bit extra with his legs. I mean, Zach was incredibly athletic, obviously, but Jaron's got all the platforms you want to throw from, and he's got all of the other elite tangi- intangibles that a quarterback has, but he's got him in spades. And so as long as he can stay healthy and stay consistent, he's got the schedule this coming year to prove that he can do it against top flight talent, but he's also got the ability to elevate the talent with it too. So he's got a prime situation to not only prove he has the skills, but also elevate himself even higher in the first round if all goes well. Were you surprised at his season this year? Because I think we thought, okay, he has a chance to be good, but he was very good. Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. I, I'm on record as ranking him and Baylor in the pre and Baylor Romney as in the preseason is what I think it was 88th best on my quarterback rankings. So I was skeptical at best. You know, you saw flashes, but this year, I mean, consistently after returning to the lineup, what's uh, one thing I, I love to look for in quarterbacks is linear growth. And so if you see it once he got healthy and once he got back, and you see, I know Baylor they lose the game down in Waco, but that game he he gave them fits. He was throwing amazing throws, accurate touch, poise, anticipatory throws to the sidelines, NFL throws, which is what I call those two deep downfield outbreaking throws. Jaron's got him. He's got all the throws in his arsenal. And I, uh, I was consistently and pleasantly surprised down the stretch with how he played. I agree on you with the health part. He's certainly got to show that he can, you know, last most, if not all of a season, he played 10 of the 13 games and missed a couple with the ribs, of course. And then had a foot injury, uh, where he missed the bowl game that certainly played into the result that BYU got in that sort of the feeling we have here of like, ah, that didn't end all that great. But if Jaron can show he's healthy, um, day one feels like it'd be incredible. If he's day two, that's still amazing. If he's drafted at all, I think that's probably even a surprise. But you feel like there is a shot at first round for Jaron Hall. Yes, there is. Because if you look at it, there's question marks after the top two quarterbacks. You know, there's a Spencer Rattler who's got all the elite intangibles, but who knows what he looks like. Is he the guy that we saw at the start of the season in Oklahoma, but now with South Carolina? Or does Shane Beamer revitalize him? I think he still has a chance to be the third best quarterback or QB three in the draft class. It all obviously all starts with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud probably going one and two. If if that class were to be drafted this year, they would be one and two. They're that good. So it's a, it's a hard road, a tough road, but law of averages states that you're going to have more than three quarterbacks likely drafted next first round because there's not going to be a whole lot this year. And so with the draft class being not as great or top heavy this year, it's going to help and propel a lot of teams that are going to be QB needy in the 2023 offseason. So I think if he can maintain the health and prove sort of what we've seen this year is what his ceiling or his floor is, so to speak, and the ceiling is higher. 
absolutely he can get in the first round conversation. And he'll certainly have opportunities to prove himself against tougher competition, fewer power fives, but tougher this coming fall. We're talking to Cam Miller of Pro Football Network. Tyler Algier broke out for the greatest rushing season BYU has ever seen. Now he's going to the NFL draft. Where do you see him in the draft? Day two, early. Honestly, there's the conversation of there's the top three running backs. I know everybody wanted to say Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller were the untouchable bulletproof one and two. But honestly, I think Kenneth Walker is probably the best of those three. And so Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller. And then there's not as sizable of a gap that I think people are are proclaiming between him and the next tier, those three in the next tier between I think Tyler Algier is probably the fourth best running back. If you look at it, what separates running backs from being good right away, and you have to be good right away, let's face it, with how short the shelf life is for an NFL running back, you have to be good right away. Tyler Algier is essentially Javante Williams of the Broncos. They're the same make and mold. They're the same build. They bounce off contact. They have great contact balance, and they break their arm tackles with ease. Honestly, I think Tyler Algier is NFL ready, and so that's going to help him get to the next level, get drafted early. But then also once an NFL scout or GM interviews him, they're going to fall in love with him. And that's all it's going to take because he's just as good of a man as he is on the field, off the field. He is a great dude. And one of the great success stories of BYU, a walk-on who played some linebacker, came back to running back, and now he's hopefully a day two guy. I like, uh, I like early second round. I think that'd be tremendous. First round running back. I mean, you got to be uh, an incredible talent to squeeze there. Okay. Let's talk about who BYU grabbed to perhaps replace him. Tough to say, hey, yeah, can you get 1,600 yards and 23 touchdowns? Uh, Christopher Brooks from Cal. What do you see in his game that isn't comparable per se to Tyler Algier, but like who is he? He's a bigger Tyler Algier with less speed. So I think he he's a great complementary back. You're going to have to have somebody else that goes alongside Christopher Brooks. I don't think he's proven in his career at Cal that he can handle the load, be the bell cow for lack of a better term. So I think he's going to need some help. He's going to need a, sort of a, an elusive, shifty guy, maybe a guy out of the backfield as well who in pass catching because Christopher Brooks is not really that guy. He's a big dude who, again, he bounces off of contact and arm, ta- arm tackles. But, I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot more than one cut, get up field type of, uh, type of back that he is. And so he's going to need a complimentary back to sort of replicate any sort of success that Algier had. But he's, he's a great start to, to replacing that 1,600-yard season. So Tyler Algier going to be drafted somewhere. Are there any other Cougars you see potentially being drafted? Uh, James NP, because, I mean, what, was it 2019? He entered the year and he was possibly the best center prospect. And so I know injuries has affected his entire career, but he's still with the the lack of maybe top tight, top tier centers in this draft class. MP will definitely get a look. It's probably day three. It's later rounds of day three. Uh, and then besides James MP, it's Keenan Peely. The lack, again, of interior linebackers is what's going to get him drafted. You have Nicobe Dean from Georgia and Devin Lloyd, who is all world, all everything. They're going to go first round. But after that, it sort of drops off a cliff in terms of interior linebackers. So you got a guy who is age is going to be a deterrent for some teams, but he can plug and play right away as a, as a coverage linebacker at the next level. You mentioned Keenan Peely, who will come off an ACL and play this, this uh, fall with the team. Is there anyone else coming, uh, you know, with BYU currently that in the 23 draft, besides Sharon Hall, you see his NFL draft potential? Peyton Mulgar. So both linebackers, excuse me. Yeah, you're still right. Love both Peyton. linebackers coming back. So it's we're, I'm still on Peyton. I mean, it, let's face it. This is a guy who, don't tell Kirk Street, but he loves football. <laughs> and he loves playing the game. So Peyton Mulgar loves playing the game so much that he has the sour taste in his mouth. I talked to Peyton 
couple of weeks ago and he had sour taste in his mouth, did not want to end his career that way. So the fact that him and Peely are coming back, it's Wilgar. I didn't think I needed to mention him because obviously he's, he's, he's on the mantle once he does get drafted as uh, one of the ones I called early on in his career. So he's, uh, he's up there, but both linebackers get drafted MP this year, uh, Peely and Wilgar next year. Yeah, I think part of the, I mean, you go into the bowl game and it's like, you're looking around, you're like, who are you? Like their name tags, you know, on the jerseys, like, what's your name? Uh, But, you know, unfortunately it ended uh, the way it did. But a healthy BYU was ranked as high as 10th last year. So we'll see what BYU can do this fall. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. He's really turned a corner with the Jets. The Jets stink. I don't actually feel like the Jets are going to be good to great one day, but maybe, you know, the last couple of weeks they've shown they're playing better. They're figuring some things out. What have you seen from Zach Wilson that continues to validate what you said a couple of years ago? It It's the timing of the offense. He needs to have good timing on the offense. If you look at it, what what marked his career in the the, the moment in time in which we, all of a sudden everybody started seeing it is that he got confident. And the, what drew his confidence was the fact that they were running the timing offense. Everything was on schedule. It was on par. Boom, boom, boom. One, two, three. Balls out, receivers catching it, making plays for him. When that happens, we saw it against the Bucs, the defending Super Bowl champions for two and a half quarters. The timing was was on, and so was his confidence, and his confidence grew with every single throw. So I think they're, they're a few players short of being a good team. Uh, right now, I don't think they need to address the quarterback position for a long time, though, because of that. So build around Zach, continue to build around players who can increase the timing and the, and the overall play from the defense side of the ball, because they need help on defense. Getting Carl Lawson back next year will certainly help since he didn't get to play a snap for him this year. Uh, but get him some playmakers, too, on the outside, not just Braxton Berrios. Absolutely. Berrios, the greatest flag football player of all time, turned NFLer, right? Uh, he just has fun when he's out there. I yeah, know that you saw the which table are you sitting at post the BYU Sports Nation put at. So am I to assume that table B with Zach Wilson and myself is where you're going to sit? Absolutely. And it's not just because <laughs> of Zach Wilson. It's no, it's all because of Zach. You just happen to be there. <laughs> Absolutely. It's you, it's you and Zach. But also, don't tell Spence. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like, no one, my wife said, no one's saying table B. And I said, you know what? That's, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Me and Cam Miller will hang out. Cam, we appreciate the time. I, Always I, think, I think recency bias. Recency bias probably had you there. People are like, oh, I talked to Zach maybe last. You know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've heard Zach talk enough. I want to go sit with Steve Young. I haven't heard and sit with, sat with him a long time. So, no, absolutely, table B. Yeah, table B for the win. Let's go. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We have learned a bit of off-the-field news. Uh, Timberly Satake, Kalani Satake's wife, posted two hours ago on Facebook that they are expecting a child this summer. So congratulations to the Sataka's. Wow, big news. Kalani's 46. It's a little uh, Lehigh Abraham move here. <laughs> but congratulations to the Satake's who are expecting, what, their fourth kid, fourth. I think? This will yeah. be child number four. Congratulations. That's great. She uh, posted plot twist. Which is a well-executed <laughs> social media post. <laughs> congratulations to the Satake's. Our question of the day on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are all of you that BYU men's basketball is still the second-best team in the West Coast Conference. We're going to find out some things against St. Mary's tomorrow night. Jonathan Hawk says, I'm a 7 out of 10 that BYU is the second-best WCC team. I would be more confident if both of BYU's big men weren't out for the season. 
Also, my confidence level will fluctuate depending on how BYU does in the next three games, considering BYU's playing the other top teams in the WCC. Yeah, and, and it's a great question because how will BYU fare against some bigs that aren't Westminster, aren't Pacific, right? BYU has done a tremendous job with this coaching staff the last you know, two plus years of figuring it out where they need to. No Yoli Childs for nine games. What are we going to do? Like they figured it out, right? And we're a projected six and then an actual six. And then this team's a projected eight right now. So I'm confident they'll figure it out. It's just, it's one thing to lose one guy. It's another to lose two. BYU's down to its third string there, right? That can prove to be tough. You know, if BYU was, was down to its third string and didn't have Tyler Algier, right? The season's different. The season's not going to be exactly what it was going to be before. By the way, Lauren Gustin mentioned her dad played quarterback in Wyoming. He did play against BYU in one game in 91, went three of six for 30 yards. So that's a fun little connection. Did Wyoming beat Ty Detmer in BYU? No, BYU won that game 56-31. There you go. So, yeah. <laughs> I think John was maybe a backup who came in in that game. But, yeah. At Pask underscore Pask BYU answers the question of confidence for BYU men's basketball. Scale of 1 to 10, 8.4 that the Cougars oh. are still the second best team. Okay. Mostly because of the lack of depth. So he's justifying why it's only down to 8.4? Would it be? What would it be? 10 if they had a big man? Especially with the big man, he says. But if the center rotation can keep Toss in check on Saturday, then it will go to a 9.6. Interesting. Yeah, if BYU beats St. Mary's on Saturday, you know how, how much higher up does that go? I still want to see BYU against San Francisco because I still need to see San Francisco – a little bit more in league to believe they are an NCAA tournament team. It, it's not out of the realm of possibility, Spence, that you can go from not even an NIT team to an NCAA tournament team. You can make that jump. I just want to see San Francisco a little bit more. I'm not quite ready to be like, yeah! San Francisco had an opportunity to get a big-time victory yesterday against Loyola Chicago. Yeah. On a neutral court, Salt Lake Community College. Home of Shep. The Ramblers and Dons meeting up at a Juco court in Salt Lake City. Weird, but it is what it is. And oh, they, they had chances late in the game. They couldn't close it out against the Ramblers. And that's okay. They're 13-2 and two in non-con. Like, you're going to play a tough, tough non-con. Did win at Arizona State. Like, d- trust me, San Francisco's good. It's, it's back to the Mitch Matthews Elite thing. I'm not saying he's not, they're not good. I'm just wondering how good they are. Because being a tourney team, we've talked about it. There's like six at-large bids the last you know five years of non-Power 6 teams. It's super hard to get in at-large in a league like the WCC. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Did you do that? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> George on the drive. And the foul. Gideon George. Seven points now for Gideon. Throws it down. Turned over. Here comes George. It's a showtime. Looking baseline. Fade away. If there is something that he needs to overcome to get to where he wants to go, he's going to figure it out. He's going to work through it, and he's going to keep building. It didn't just come like that. You had to, he had to work for it. Like he had to do a lot of stuff to actually get where he is. So that fire will not will not go off because it's been like a now it's like a lifestyle. 
Last year was not an easy transition year for him. There were a lot of hard things for him as he's a, you know, an international student that had only been in the States for a couple years, coming to a major university in a huge population for the first time and dealing with all the attention and the fanfare and learning a new system. Sometimes I do question, like, why am I here at BYU? Like, what am I doing here? But at the end of the day, I'll sit down, like, reflect, and be like, okay, God has a reason for me coming down here to BYU. I don't know the purpose right now, but I'm still trusting God to lead the way. The goal is to fill up that container I think we can fill it up with uh, 240 boxes. Once that's filled up, we're sending it to Washington, D.C. And from Washington, D.C., Time Off Africa would take over um, and then take uh, the boxes to Mina, Nigeria. That's where Gideon is from. And they'll go from school to school, distributing the sneakers and backpacks to students there. So. The only thing I got to say is you look at these kids back home in Nigeria, and they get so excited just for a pair of shoes. You know, we're super fortunate here. We we get shoes, we get clothes, we just take it for granted. And so something like this that Gideon does for other people is, again, super special, and he has a big heart. So that's what everybody knows out here in Cougar Nation is he has a huge heart. He's a good teammate and a good bro. For a college basketball player to do something like this, especially thinking about his home, it's pretty special. Kind of just speaks to who this guy is, man. It's bigger than basketball. So last year, the Deep Blue talked about his shoe drive. And so what went from being a very just personal kind of face-to-face -face thing became a thing where all of a sudden there's just boxes showing up at the annex with shoes in them. These shoes has made a lot of impacts on school kids and kids playing basketball. Within in our community. We had about 100 pairs of shoes. Now, 5,000 pairs of shoes. Wow. wow. I get like random texts on my IG, like random people texting me, be like, hey, Gideon, how's it going? I got like tons of shoes for you. I'll be like, wow. <laughs> and he's the driving force behind it. He's the one pushing it. It's something that's near and dear to his heart that means a lot to him. It was a charity that he benefited from as a youth, and now he's getting to pay it back, and it's something he takes really seriously and cares about. It's been incredible to see the support from BYU, the, the different student organizations that have worked with him and reached out and said, hey, we want to help in this effort. And the, the, the BYU family, the fan base, the coaching staff, everybody that can be involved, that can help, that can help push, that can help promote, has done so to the point where, you know, we're talking five, 6,000 pairs of shoes now will be headed to Nigeria. And it's, it's impossible to overstate the importance of what that means to that community where these shoes are going and what this can mean. So for the BYU community to get behind this and really grab onto this, this passion that Gideon has and help him has been absolutely incredible. I want to use this time to like pour my heart, my heart out there for like people that have donated, like even those ones I can't even 
like get too rich, you know, people donating without me being aware. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate it because you guys are changing the world and like you guys are giving like meaning to those kids back home and like they're really grateful. Like I'm gonna speak on behalf of them kids back home. They are really grateful, like seeing the joy on their faces, like like when they talk about changing the world, you guys are really, really changing the world. So thank you very much for that. Gideon and his, his brother Samson don't need pushing to be incredible people. And so, you know, Samson has had these blessings since he's been in, in America uh, that then he wants to extend back to his family. And Gideon, the same thing, he wants to extend uh, the things that he has in any way he can back to his family. And so Samson and Gideon uh, looked at it and said, okay, here's the financial position that we've been fortunate to be in as a basketball player now. We can help our parents buy their first house. It's like, you wouldn't call it a thing of pride. It's just a thing of joy that actually they never actually thought about that that was going to happen in their lifetime. I feel like we just relieved my dad from so many stuff, you know. He's really, really happy. And I'm happy for that, seeing my parents happy. I'm glad we can do something like that for my parents. And I say it's a blessing for the family, for sure. We hope he finishes the degree with flying colors. And we wish him all the best in his basketball career. Gideon, we have missed you so much. We wish you all the best in your career. We thank all the donors. We thank BYU. Thank you from out for Africa. <laughs> Amazing work by Gideon George. And I said it to you right when we went into the story. His joy just exudes so, or sorry, his smile just exudes so much joy yes. and happiness. His laugh is amazing. And if you still want to donate, choose, you can. You can go to timeout the number four Africa, timeout4africa.com. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We say it every time. He's the best thing that St. Mary's has going for it. <laughs> Alex Jensen. Alex, you're at the top, man. It's, uh, it's always great of you to join us. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm very good. It's good to see you guys. Jeremy, it was good to see you in person a, a couple months ago in, uh, in Logan there. I would be at the top if it wasn't for the deli gnome you have there on the, uh, <laughs> on the desk. So I'm I still, appreciate you guys bringing that out to welcome me whenever I I'm come still, on. I'm still waiting to throw that off uh, the building here at some point, <laughs> just in anger. Well, you know what? When, when you guys go to the Big 12, I mean, hopefully we'll have some, some non-conference matchups, but then you can keep it in a good space, you That's know? True. Because we're That's all true. That's true. Yes. Yes, there you go. yes. That is We're a fantastic for- point, Alex. Thank you for making me feel better about the rivalry between St. Mary's and BYU as it moves forward. And we want to make this clear. We're not overlooking Pacific by having you on. We just wanted to talk about uh, we're just more interested in St. Mary's than Pacific <laughs> on this very program. I enjoyed the jokes about the ocean, though. I never, I, I never, it never gets make old, right? Jokes. Yeah, yeah. By the way, did you know that the reason that Michael Oluwakandi went to Pacific was because he thought it was on the coast? Are you serious? <laughs> That's what I heard. I, yes. Hey, yes. hey, story time. I'm uh, 13 or 14, and I go to a Pacific BYU 
game in Provo where Michael Oliver Candy played. Fun fact. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did I get really? on the Jumbotron a- because no one went to BYU games that Probably. year? Probably. The year after BYU was 1-25? Only win against Utah State? Absolutely. Hey, they won nine games that year, Jerem. Nine whole games. It was nine a big and step. Alex, was... you're learning all sorts of things about BYU basketball Michael... in the late 90s you never thought that you would pick up. Oh, Louis As if I didn't know enough already. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the scenario on Saturday because obviously the topic of discussion today for us on BYUSN is, well, how concerned are we about the impact of COVID to this point and moving forward because the trend does not look great, but – Pacific's on the bus. They're on the way to the airport. We think that game's going to happen. And you just told us before we came on live that everybody seems okay. You're going to be on the plane if it takes off on Friday. Do you think that the game on Saturday is going to happen? If you had to give it a percent chance, what would you put it at? Flip a coin, man. I mean, that's what it's been like the last couple of years, right? Going back to last season. I know that right now the game is still on. So I'm hopeful that it that it ends up happening. But, I, it's, you know, it's anybody's guess right now. I mean, it's, unfortunately, we're right back to 2020 at this point in time. Now, based on everything I've read about this variant, you know, hopefully this wave passes quickly and we can get back to where we were in, in November, early December, sooner rather than later. But right now, I mean, I, I know that the game is still on on Saturday, but I don't know anything past that. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to be traveling on Friday. We'll put it that way. St. Mary's I wish I had a better answer for you. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Next time we need a better answer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, St. Mary's, it was an off year last year. St. Mary's is back, returned literally everybody. Uh, I got to see this team in person like we talked about, Mogan against Utah State. I was impressed outside of missing a bunch of threes in that game, kind of kept Utah State in it. St. Mary's is good again. So remind us kind of what St. Mary's looks like and, and who's back uh, for the Gales that, that we'll see Saturday night. Well, like you said, everybody's back. And I think what this team really gained last year was a toughness, a grit. I mean, they they had to play every game in the 60s and 50s a year. I mean, that's the way they had to play after Alex Dukas, Lemon Bachler went down. You know, I, would Alex Dukas have scored 15 points a game? I don't know. But it would have changed the way their offense looks, would have changed the way they could space the floor. But they really gained a toughness and a grittiness about him. I mean, Randy Bennett said over and over, this is the way we have to play. They didn't score 70 points last year after December 15th. That's a, like that's ridiculous. So now I think they have an identity. They know that, you know, they they their identity is on the defensive end, as you saw in Logan. And you don't win that game going I think they started the game three for 19 in that atmosphere without being experienced and tough and gritty and being a really good defensive team. I think that's where this team's identity is. Personnel-wise, it's the same guys, you know, uh, Logan Johnson, Tommy Cousy. Uh, there, there are you know, Matthias Tost and Fotu had a really good start to the season. You know, Alex Dukas is back. There's a freshman in, in, the starting, in, the, in the starting lineup now. His name's Augustus Marshallonis. You probably know that last name from his dad, uh, Sarunas. And I think what he adds to this team is just a depth at guard. He's a true point guard. And Tommy Cousy, Logan Johnson don't have to play 32, 34 minutes now. I mean, I don't think there's one guy that's averaging over 30 minutes on this team, which is rare for a Randy Bennett team. Um, so, you know, I think you're, you're going to see a tough, a gritty team, a team that's not afraid to play on the road and a team that has, like you said, everybody back from a year ago. Looking at what BYU would bring to the table if the game again happens on Saturday, Alex, where do the Gales have an advantage matchup-wise against this specific BYU team? Yeah, personnel-wise, I mean, I think you have to look on the interior. You know, I mean, I, unfortunately for BYU, they've suffered a couple injuries. Harward, Gavin Baxter, um, you know, hopefully those guys are able to, to get back to full health. But, the, you know, that's a lot to lose. I know uh, Teore, is that how you pronounce his name? Teore, Teore. Yeah. 
Traore, yeah, he, you know, all tournament team in at the Diamond Head in 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 Hawaii, uh, but still relatively inexperienced. You know, Matthias Toss is a senior. Dan Fotu is a senior. Behind that, they have a guy that was on the All Freshman team a year ago, a six ten, in Mitchell Saxon. So the Gales just have depth underneath. You know, how, how much is that going to play a factor? I don't know. The Gales play through the post a lot. You know, if you, if, if you watch St. Mary's play, it's a high ball screen, and it's playing through the post and Matthias Toss with his back to the basket. So I, I think they've, the, you know, you give the Gales the advantage there. St. Mary's doesn't have a player like Alex Barcelo who can score the ball that way. Um, you know, I think BYU is, is you know, shoots the three uh, probably better than St. Mary's does. But in terms of knowing who they are, St. Mary's knows who they are. You know, they know their identity. Now I haven't watched BYU enough to to know if that's the same, but you know, based on three or four you know newcomers in the rotation, the, the injuries we just mentioned, you know, maybe St. Mary's has their identity a little bit more nailed down at this point than BYU does. But you look at these two teams on paper, man. I mean, it's you know, it's pretty even. Please, I just want the game to happen on Saturday night. Alex Jensen, the voice of the Gales, is with us on <laughs> BYU Sports Nation. And for what it's worth, Alex, the more native pronunciation is Fusini Traore. So if you want to work Traore. on that, we okay. We expect right. that exact pronunciation <laughs> to your audience on Saturday night. We know how much... Well, tune in. The Varsity Network, Saint, search St. Mary's, and you'll find I've out. I've been on. You had me on the postgame show against <laughs> Utah State. Yes, yes, you were. Yes, you were. If this game doesn't happen, we are of the opinion that the West Coast Conference is going to figure out a way to let BYU and St. Mary's play because it's in the WCC's best interest to have as many tournament teams as possible. So are you with us in that if the game, heaven forbid, does not happen on Saturday night, it will happen at some point in Provo? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I think I think the league owes it to themselves for this game to be played, for this game to be played, for USF and BYU to be played, for BYU coming to the Bay Area to play all three schools. Obviously, Gonzaga, you know, playing all those, although Gonzaga doesn't necessarily need those those games the same way that BYU, St. Mary's and USF do. But yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, and they proved it last year with the Ken Palm stuff, uh, you know, and figuring out the, the league standings that way, seeding the tournament that way. I think the West Coast Conference has proved that they'll do whatever they can to get as many teams into the field as they can. I mean, even going back a few years ago before COVID, you know, changing the WCC tournament format back to a, you know, a, a style that protects its top teams and allows two, three, hey, maybe even this year, four teams to get into the NCAA tournament. Because that's how, I mean, look back to 2020, man. There were three teams ready to go to the tournament. Tournament was banged. So I, I think West Coast Conference needs to do whatever it can. And they've proven that they have done whatever it takes to get as many teams into the field as they can. And all 10 schools should be pulling the rope from the same direction in that regard, in my opinion. Yeah, because everyone gets the uh, unit money. There's no football, so basketball is paying for stuff. And that makes total sense. I like yeah, how you acted like the league wanted fewer uh, conference game. I, I would say, Mark, few wanted fewer conference game. But, well, yeah, hey, the, but yes. The league, knows, the league knows that, you know, they can't lose Gonzaga. Right. right? And with Gonzaga, right. you know, threatening, well, the rumors were that Gonzaga and the Mountain West were linked. We told you know, them don't I, do I it. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation has the power over the entire West Coast Conference. But the West Coast Conference was smart to protect their top team. Yes. Right? Because, I mean, Randy Bennett has said it 10, 15 years ago. Without Gonzaga, there is no St. Mary's. Without Gonzaga, BYU's probably not in the West Coast Conference right now. Or you can make an argument that they're not. Yeah. So who knows? it all starts and ends there. 
Yeah, no, it's a great point. Like the Big West was a discussion back in 2011 of where BYU is going. Who knows? Who knows? Really? Right? Okay, let's yeah. talk about uh, the Big Four. San Francisco has entered the fray, 13 and one, playing Loyola Chicago randomly in Salt Lake tomorrow. Uh, we're going to read the Todd Golden tweet he sent out this morning here in a couple of minutes. But tell me about San Francisco. Do you feel like they're legit? Are they actually potentially an NCAA tournament team? Because the jury's still out for me. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of both sides of the I think there's no doubt they're legit. You know, I mean they're 13 and 1. They won at Arizona State. They they haven't we don't know as much about USF as we do about BYU and St. Mary's. You know, B, you know, USF according to Ken Palm as of right now, their non-conference strength of schedule is 175. Yeah. You know, BYU and St. Mary's are both in the top 75. So we know a little bit more about who BYU and St. Mary's are, I think. I do think USF has one of the best players in the league in Jamari Bouye. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he can play. We know Todd Golden can coach. You know, Shabazz is dynamic in the backcourt. And then they added Yawn Masalski from San Diego and yeah. then uh, the kid Patrick Tappe from, from Duke. So there's a little bit more depth in the front court, which, you know, I've heard our coaching staff say time and time again, you need that depth in the front court to win in this league. Big time, as you mentioned, big time credit goes to USF for scheduling Loyola Chicago because that's going to be their best game of the non con So I think we'll learn mm. a lot about the Dons tomorrow morning. You know, I mean, Loyal Chicago and Kempom is top 25. I think they're number 21. And by far, that's the best game that USF will have played. So I think they're legit. Um, I, I think the jury is still out a little. I'm kind of playing both, you know, sitting on the fence a little bit here. Uh, but I think what they've done to this point warrants them being in the discussion for top three in the league and in the NCAA tournament. Have they been tested the same way? No, but uh, in today's West Coast Conference, they're going to get those tests in the league, and we'll find out. As I mentioned, you know, tomorrow we'll find out a lot about the Dons. If it was a forbid league, that'd be unbelievable. That's, that'd be wild. And we were talking about how awesome it is that you, we can feel pretty confident that, barring an epic collapse by San Francisco, BYU's going to be able to go on the road in St. Mary's as well and go play three quad one road games in league. Typically, it's two. You know, if you're playing BYU, St. Mary's, and Gonzaga, you're going to get at least two. Now it feels like three, and with Santa Clara, it might be four. The league. Actually, yeah. every year it's discussed as this, not always true, but it's actually better this year. No doubt about it. And it's deeper. You know, I mean, you look at the top six teams, you know, in, in net, and I don't think you can really look at net through the same lens right now as you can with Ken Palm this early in the season, just because, you know, I, th- I was looking at USF's team sheet, right? Towson is a quad two game. You know, UAB, while they are a, a, a good club, is a quad one game. Will those stay the same? I don't know. I mean, you know, Towson could lose to Fairfield or whoever's in the, you know, the Colonial Athletic Association. They drop 25 spots and all of a sudden. So I think when you look at Ken Palm, I think that is really your, your for me anyway, the, the real judge of, in terms of the metrics, who's good. And right now, LMU is a top 115 team. Yeah. So you can see LMU sneak into that top, you know, the, a quad two game down there. So uh, I think you're absolutely right. Every Each one of these teams is going to have an opportunity for a resume-building win, a big-time resume-building win in league, which is where the West Coast Conference has wanted to get for a long time, and it finally is. Alex, great to talk to you. I expect a minute-by-minute update as to your flight plans of what's happening with St. Mary's because we need to know the game's going to happen, so keep (laughs) us surprised, man. All right, you guys create the group chat, loop me in, (laughs) and uh, we'll go for all your boots on the ground. You got it. Thanks, Alex. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. 
BYU sophomore forward Lauren Gustin with us in Studio B. Lauren, I can't believe you're a sophomore. You're going to be here for three more years? <laughs> Is that really going to happen? I mean, as of right now, that's the plan. Um, I don't have any uh, plans to go elsewhere to stop. So, yeah, as of right now, that's, that's the plan. No hurry. Stay as nope, long no as you like. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Are you the best athlete in your family? We know Porter's a good athlete, but are you the best athlete in your family? Um, you know, my dad would argue um, 100%. So, you know, I wish I could say that. But, um, <laughs> I mean, my mom and dad. Honestly, I feel like my mom could have been. Uh, she was up there. Wow. Tell us about so, your parents. What did they play growing yes, up? Yes. Uh, so my dad played football. Well, growing up, they played a range of sports. My dad ended up playing football for Wyoming, who's his quarterback. Um, and then my mom played basketball actually at BYU for two years. And then um, her and my dad got married, and then she transferred to Wyoming to play her last two years there. So, yeah, she was like a four, a three, four. Um, so kind of like me a little bit. But, yeah, she loved to, sh I mean, rebound, shoot. So um, she also was really good at track in high school. So, but, uh, yeah, so I feel like my mom definitely <laughs> kind of, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my dad won't be too happy about that one, but. <laughs> you, you've got the genes, and obviously, um, you know, Kristen has talked to me in asking about you. The influence of Porter on mm -hmm. you wanting to get into the weight room yeah. has been really influential on your life, right? Yes, yeah, 100%. Um, he kind of introduced me to all that, and it kind of um, helped me, like, get my passion for that. And, you know, the whole importance of sleep and eating and all that has just been from Porter. So That's awesome. Yeah. Lauren Gustin is with us on BYU Sports Nation. I was just going to ask, where do you find your motivation mm -hmm. on days where you're tired? Yeah. Because let's face it, you, you came back from San Francisco, mm -hmm. got home at like 1 o'clock in the morning, and you're here with us <laughs> in the morning on BYU yeah. Sports Nation. But this... This is like par for the course for you. You're up mm -hmm. and at the gym. Where do you find that motivation? <laughs> um, honestly, I feel like it's just kind of like a, it's like a therapy for me. The weight room, um, which sounds like a little cheesy, but uh, I feel like when you know when I'm stressed or just kind of need to get away, the weight room has always been like a good place for me. Um, so I mean, that also I think just being around like my teammates, they're so um, motivating. I mean, I'm pretty sure most of them had a class like super early this morning, so and they were up there getting into class. So just being around girls like that have always been um, inspirational to me. You guys are 11 and one and mm -hmm. ranked 18. Things are going really well. Yeah. Um, you're one of the best teams on campus right now, and you're super fun to watch. What's it like with this group? That's Super old together mm -hmm. because of COVID. Yeah. Um, honestly, the leadership is insane. We have so many different leaders. Um, the girls are, I mean, our four seniors, well, super seniors, they're so such good role models for all of us. You know, even me being like a senior technically on the team. Um, but Academically, so, Yes, <laughs> yes. Being at that, I feel like, um, I mean, I'm looking up to them every single day. They're always there to push us. Um, you know, they never really let us slack, which I feel like is good. They hold us to a high standard. So, you know, we're really lucky to have such good leaders. So, Who tries to slack the most? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> yeah. There's an account on, I think it's Instagram, the women's basketball uh -huh. managers. Yes, yeah. They post the most hilarious videos. I know. They're good, they're good follow. Like the one of Paisley Johnson and Maria Albiero. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. Sorry, Harding now. Um, dancing. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just so much juice and energy yeah. in the squad. It, it's do you guys ever have a bad day? It feels like someone in the mm -hmm. group is going to lift. Yeah, the there's so much different energy. I feel like um, all the girls were so different, all of our personalities. Um, I feel like that's what kind of what makes us like us. Everyone brings something different to the table. It's so diverse. Uh, but, yeah, we can always count on Paisley to spice things up <laughs> all the time. So, <laughs> Leadership is huge for sure, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm guessing that's a big part of how you stay focused when you go through the frustration of, 
back-to-back postponed games. So mm-hmm. how do you personally handle the frustration of not being able to play and staying right mentally? Yeah, I think, um, you know, our coaches do a good job at kind of keeping us focused. Um, you know, all right, time for the next game. We'll prep for one, and then we'll find out it's postponed. So, you know, we want to be frustrated that we just spent, you know, two practices scouting for them. But they just kind of, you know, all right, this is COVID. This is how it's going to be. We'll just get prepped for the next. So I think we're kind of used to that, um, and we just kind of – have that in the back of our mind that this this is going to happen as long as we just stay focused and get ready for what's next. I think that's kind of what just helped us, you know, get through the at least last week our two postponed games. If so. you can stay focused when Paisley Harding is doing her thing, whatever that is, you yeah. can stay focused through anything. She's uh, she's she's insane. I love her. <laughs> she is insane in the best way. She's great. Um, and, and it's and it's obviously COVID sucks for so many reasons. But the benefit has been that we've had this extra year yeah. with some of the the best BYU athletes ever. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been special that way. This this group is is so good. You can definitely make a run in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, a lot before then. Yeah. So what's the focus like now? Is you're 11 and one. The one mm-hmm. loss was in OT against Oklahoma. A real tough game, right? Yeah. Um, an opponent you might play in two years, right? They're right yeah. now in the top 25. There yeah. you go. Um, there you go. So so what's sort of the the you know, discussion with the team of, hey, let's keep this going. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, winner, I mean, like yesterday, just games like that, you know, we got to really execute on um, just like the little things like, you know, our defense, our communication, um, and not really slacking for any game, you know, trying to get up for every single opponent. It doesn't really matter what their what their record is, you know, if they're ranked, not ranked. We just kind of got to keep putting our um, foot on the pedal, just keep going. Um and not really have any mercy for any teams. That's kind of our mindset. A Cobra Kai mindset. Yeah, and saying? yeah, exactly. And just to not really settle for anything. So. Strike first, <laughs> no mercy. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren Gustin is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's dive into the where we can improve more mm-hmm. conversation. Like, if you had to pick one aspect of the game as a team, where do you feel like yeah. the team can improve the most? Yeah, um, I mean, I think. We all know that we, we can all score offensively. You know, I think we all we have so many different offensive um, weapons. I think right now, um, just our our defense needs to be picked up a little bit. You know, we're known a lot for our defense. We um, are connected in that way. Um, but I mean, I feel like we've been slacking a little bit the last couple of games. Um, I don't know if that's due to not having games or just you know not being as um, connected. But so definitely our defense. Um, for sure right now and just kind of you know not getting beat off the drives or um not giving up as many points as we have been so as of right now i feel like that's probably our main focus i feel like i'm being nitpicky because you're uh-huh. 11 and 1 you're ranked number 18 <laughs> yeah. i'm like, like you're hey, good how do you I, get better lauren <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're fine uh just keep doing what you're doing you're a shot away from being 12 and 0 and yeah. you had the ball at the end of regulation i know and that's and that let's be honest on selection Sunday, that's an acceptable loss like that's fine um, yeah yeah, you're second in the country in rebounding, mm-hmm. but I, but I'm seeing that uh, Lorella Kubaj of Georgia Tech has the mm-hmm. same 12.8. So it's like, yeah, it's like down to the wire here. <laughs> Do you want to lead the nation in rebounding? Is that um, a goal? Is that a thing you've thought about? Yeah, I would love that. I mean, I like to take pride in my rebounding. I think that's something that is so fun, just a board. Um, so I mean, that's that's my goal. But I mean, as long as we're winning and I'm doing my my job, I mean, I'll be satisfied with that. But I I couldn't I won't be mad <laughs> if I'm first. Second's amazing. First is amazing. <laughs> um, what what is it about rebounding that you enjoy? Yeah. Because that that's not a mindset that everybody has. Yeah, um, I feel like I like it so much because it's mostly just based on effort. You know, mm. um, I can't really control if my shots are gonna go in. 
So I feel like uh, rebounding, I kind of can control if I'm going to go to the boards or whatnot. So it's also just kind of fun to be physical down there and just kind of um, I'd be a little bit of like the underdog a little bit, just being my height. Um, I think it's fun to just kind of get in there and go after them. <laughs> I love watching you play. I know Spencer does too, because yes, that, mm-hmm. that like fight and that physicality is unique. Yeah. Um, in the game at what age were you like no this is what I do um and is that part of your yeah. your DNA with your family yeah it's no, like you guys like that yeah no we definitely like to be aggressive <laughs> um I feel like probably in, in in high school is kind of where I started um like establishing that role um but I mean I think I just kind of realized like okay it's I can get in there and like bang people around a little bit so um and then also just in high school, I, I was lucky with a, a great coach and a great team that really had confidence in me to um, kind of do whatever I wanted to do, and that's kind of where I learned to have that passion as well. The following phrases will come up every mm-hmm. game when Lauren Gustin is being discussed. Plays bigger than she is, <laughs> undersized. Do you like that? Yes. Does that, does that motivate you in some yeah. way? No, I do, actually. Um, I like it a lot because I feel like when I was being recruited by a lot of different schools, you know, Pac-12s, all that, they all told me that I was too small to be, um, you know, like a four or five. They just said, you know, like, we love you, like, we love your play, but, like, you're just not big enough. Like, you're not tall enough, you're not big enough. Um, so I love hearing that stuff because it, it makes me feel like I'm proving something in a way. So, um, I think it's fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, next challenge is Pacific tomorrow. Yes. I know you guys will dig in more today. Yes. Uh, but what's, what's the challenge of, uh, beating the Tigers and being two and zero in league? Yep. Um, I think our biggest thing is, is we're going to be home. Um, so that's fun first off just to be back on the court. Um, you know, we never lose at home. That's our motto. Um, so I think it'll be fun to play in front of our, our home crowd again. But just to, you know, keep rolling, we can't really um, look down on any team, no matter what. So we just kind of got to come in with that mindset that, you know, we're ranked 18th in the nation, and uh, we're not going to let anybody think that they can play with us. So I think the streak at home is like 35 or 36, if I recall. It's pretty wild. It's pretty yeah. good. Yep, we're it's trying to minute. go a whole nother year without losing at home. So Let's go. I love it. I cannot emphasize enough. If you are close to Provo, mm-hmm. the BYU fans need to get to the Marriott Center. Come watch yes. this team. And watch Seriously. this team yes. play. You guys are great. Like, the, well, come like, watch this like, team play. It's so fun. And if you're outside the market, watch it on TV. Like, watch, watch this. Yeah, game. I know. I know. We love the fans. When they when they come, the energy is so different. So, yes, please come. It's at 2 tomorrow. Let's go. Let's go. Saturday afternoon. Yeah. It's the winter. You don't have to mow the lawn or anything. There are no excuses. <laughs> yeah. Just beat the Marriott Center yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Two o'clock local time. Uh, when you come on the show, we do a thing called BYU Sports Nation Karma. You're already okay. amazing. We're going to give you some karma. All right. So you can get maybe like one extra rebound. I think it's going to put like, you on top of the okay, NCAA yeah. leader I think list. It's like a 15 15 day. That's what I'm feeling. Ooh. That's what I'm feeling. Okay. okay. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Well, what, what, what is this 15 15? 15 oh, points, 15 oh, rebounds. Oh, that's you. Okay. Yes. Yes. When okay. I say two numbers in a row, that's points and rebounds for you. Okay. okay? That's what that is. When I say 15 15 here, that's probably time. You know, it's a different world. Lauren, great to have you with us. Thank you guys B. so much for having First me. First time. First yeah, time. You crushed it. Yeah. Whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Men's Hoops currently sits atop the West Coast Conference standings. How long will the Cougars hold on to first place? All season long, Jerem! Blue goggles on! Blue goggle alert. Probably goggle alert. until the end of regulation against Gonzaga. Then it'll be yeah, a tie for I was going to say next Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, a, a tie for first place after next Thursday night. That's what is 
likely to happen, but man, it would be amazing. Wouldn't it be something if this were the year with all of the injuries and attrition that BYU finally got out to Schneid and won at least a West Coast Conference Tournament Championship? That'd be awesome. I wouldn't put it past Mark Pope. But will you put it past Mark Few? Maybe. Maybe. BYU men's volleyball gets swept by Penn State last night on the road. Is it too early to be really concerned? Well, concerned at what level? Like, are you expecting BYU to win the national championship? But this is certainly a different year, a younger group for BYU. Davide, Gardini, Mitchell Worthington, and a lot of newcomers. There's some exciting young players on this team. Luke Benson and Kapono Brown. Alex Asu's going to get a chance at opposite. New setter um, and Bartosh. So it's gonna there, there will be some growing pains, but this team will be fun. Yeah, I guess we have to qualify the concern. Like, are we concerned they're not going to be a top six team? I don't think so. I think that BYU will learn, they will grow, and they will finish as a top six team. Yeah, will they win the MPSF? Hey, maybe, but chances are they don't. But we'll see. They're, they're going to work on it. Let's go. Uh, former BYU quarterback, the legend Max Hall, scores a hole-in-one on a 197-yard <laughs> par three with a six iron. Brian Keel was there as a witness. Is the Max Hall curse officially over? Look, he was on the sideline for the Utah at BYU game on September 10th. Looking he ran jacked. out the flag. BYU won the game. He celebrated like a madman, like he should. <laughs> and then he Max. and then he scores an ace on a golf course from 197 yards. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that things are smiling brightly from up above on Max Hall. The Max Hall curse is done. It's dead. It was over September 11th. I don't know what January 6th hole-in-ones have to do with it. In fact, some people think that Tyler Huntley's poo-poo curse is now a new thing against Utah. (laughs) (laughs) They sell poo-poo. He said those words. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. With the ECU game in football in 2022 reportedly confirmed for October 29th in Provo, BYU football appears poised to play 10 straight games without a bye before Dixie State live on BYU TV this fall. Is this a bad idea or is it just how it is? Well, I love the fact that BYU has two weeks to get ready for Dixie State. So when I see the (laughs) schedule, I go, that's set up just like we'd like. Uh, You know, we're going to talk to Trevor about that coming up. In In the 84 team where they won all their games, they had two buys before the end of October. Mm. Now, as an independent, we're just at the mercy of when teams can play us. And East Carolina's in a conference, so it's very quite possible. They said, um, we can only play you on this Saturday. Take it or leave it. And BYU as an independent has to take it. So you look at 10 straight, and there's some good ones in there, starting with the, the South Florida game uh, on the road, which is a good start on the road. I love that. But then it, gets, then it gets tough with – with Baylor and Oregon. Wyoming looked pretty good in their bowl game. They've mm-hmm. kind of turned the corner a little bit. The Aggies, we know, are, are much better. And then you got the Irish and Arkansas, and then things mellow out from there. But, man, what do you think? This is going to be tough. Uh, I, I've talked about it for a little while, but this schedule has five power fives, but four of those are in the top 21 going into bowl season. Fifth-ranked Notre Dame lost to Fiesta Bowl. They can't win a New Year's Six or BCS game to save their lives, by the way. I like, love that game, though, in Vegas. I, oh, I think that's a toss-up. Oh, we were all there. It was amazing, yeah. that environment. I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, Seventh-ranked Baylor is r- roaring. I mean, they're rip-roaring. We'll see what they are next year, but that's going to be a very fun home opener. Yeah. Oregon on the road is going to be interesting. Um, obviously, Oregon just 
up in flames to end the year. But right. or, but at Oregon is tough. I've seen a game in Austin. It's a fun environment there. Um, when they play that Matt Kearney, uh, you know, welcome home song, it's great. And then uh, 21st ranked Arkansas. They're way better than they used to be. Yeah. They, they challenged some teams in the SEC this year. So those first 10, I'm going 6-4 and four at worst, probably 8-2 and two at best. That would be good. It's a tougher schedule than this year. But it is it is tough because what what was sort of the bane of the bowl game? It was injuries. It was, yeah. uh, you know, that that the depth kind of caught up to BYU at that point. In the Big Twelve, we hope that BYU s- suddenly gets certain players that want to be in a pack, uh, Power Five conference. Utah saw this. There were players that didn't wouldn't have gone to Utah normally, but suddenly they're in the Pac twelve. They want to go to SC or UCLA. They want to play in a power league. Utah is good football, and they play for them. Hopefully BYU starts to get some of these players, starts to get some of these LDS kids that had been going to Utah or Stanford that wanted to come to BYU. Now they're playing at a high level. Or get them back, transfer portal. Uh, Apuka Nakua, Samson Nakua, whatever. Um, And and then then you're going. Maybe you can sustain this a little deeper. This isn't, you know, a, a... Big 12-type schedule quite yet, but I think it is a nice precursor to what will be 2023 and, and divisions and playing for a conference championship. Remember when, when BYU was invited to join the Big 12 back on September 10th of last year, um, <laughs> the notion was, hey, BYU could just go the next, could go next year as an independent, right. get free of their games and go next year. And then it uh, was determined, no, they'll, they'll play these two out and then get into the Big 12. How big is that? Because it gives BYU an additional year to get ready, as opposed to, let's say, we're opening with Texas and Oklahoma in September instead of uh, South Florida and Baylor at home uh, in the, in, in, on the independent side. But I, I think it gives them another calendar year of, we know exactly what happened this year, we know exactly what we need to do about depth. The transfer portal is open 24-7. It can answer a lot of those needs, and, and that allow the mission kids to go and come back and, 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 and fill in. But I, I think one more year, I love this schedule because I think it's a great precursor to the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Coming out of this last schedule we had, um, which is a reminder that the big games are still in November yes, they are. and your bowl game, and, and BYU's getting closer to being better prepared for that. Get eight or nine wins next year. If you go north of that again, oh, my gosh, come on. Um, if you go eight plus, that's a tremendous season. There's no, to me, the minimum threshold of a good team I've said is eight plus. So go get at least eight wins next year. They're going to get more than eight. Let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Reaction to Baylor Romney entering the transfer portal. He put out a, a little release, a nice note to everybody, thanking everybody for his time uh, at BYU. Past four years have been filled with ups and downs. He's had some great ups and and he's had some downs. That concussion against Utah State, I think, would be a down for, for him and, and for his family. I have, he, where he continues, I'm thankful for the memories I've made and the person that uh, I've become while playing football at BYU. Teammates have become brothers. I'll miss them the most. Thanks, everybody. Unsure about what's next for me, but it's time to move on. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm graduating, I've got a job, and my wife wants me to get out of football? Or does it mean <laughs> I want to go play football somewhere else? I'm not sure. What it does mean to me is that Gunnar Romney is probably gone. If Gunnar was coming back, I feel like Baylor probably would come back. Really? Well, those, those aren't mutually exclusive, but it feels like it's a hint that Gunnar might leave. Um, I, I get it. Uh, this feels like uh, whenever we get, answer this question, it's a commentary on can I comment on another person's life decision? Yeah. Right? Right. Um, he we do go, all the time. Yes, we do. We have to fill <laughs> five hours a week here. 
I get it. He's married. He's a backup quarterback. Granted, when you're the backup to Jaron Hall, you will start a few games. That happened. He started three games this last year. Um, South Florida, Utah State, and UAB. Um, so he would be guaranteed, you'd think, not guaranteed, but essentially, to start a few games. You'd have a tremendous schedule. But he wants to see something else. Maybe he wants to be a starter somewhere else. I could see him just retiring and calling it. Super yeah. smart dude. He's set. He's married, like you said. That plays a role here uh, with life. So, yeah, best of luck. I'm super glad Baylor Romney came here. He was a Nick Rolovich OC at Nevada commit to the Wolfpack, then transfers after his mission to BYU to play with Gunner. He's a walk-on. He's still a walk-on last year, by the way. Um, and then he has several games that mattered. The win against Boise State in 2019 changed the trajectory of the program. It 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 changed everything. Aaron Roderick's first game as primary OC. BYU upsets the 14th ranked Broncos. They finished strong that season into 2020. Like, if BYU doesn't win that game with Baylor Romney, I'm not sure what the next couple of years look like. Who knows? So I'm grateful he came to BYU and best of luck. Yeah, he's outstanding. I think maybe the concussion had something to do with it. I could be completely wrong, but as a backup who comes in, gets a chance and gets a concussion, and uh, and and if he knows he's not going to the NFL, and so few do, yeah. um, not so few know it, so few actually do. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks they're going to the NFL. But uh, to get a concussion like that, and, and, and then come back and, and then decide, do I want to go through, do I want to practice every day? Do I want to do all this stuff? And if my, if, if my wife, uh, we saw this with Elijah Bryant and his wife, they're both graduates, or do we want to do this for one more year or go explore the world? At least already graduated, and already went, a job. You know, yeah. and it's like more power to them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but back here we're like, oh, man, it should have been great to have Bryant in the lineup. But Bryant is doing what Bryant wants to do with his life, Elijah and his wife. And, and, uh, and so... When you have your degree and, and you have your goals and, and he's an old sophomore, you know, he's graduated and he's a sophomore. Yeah. Tyler Algier is an old sophomore. He's not just two years out of high school, which is usually what we equate sophomores to be. Um, but I, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just done. I don't think Baylor or, or Gunner is going to leave because I think Gunner wants to go to the NFL and he needs the football to get to the NFL mm-hmm. and BYU's committed to throwing the football. I think I think that's enticing for him if he if he stays. But um, uh, but Baylor's been solid. I, I still remember the the game he beat Boise State. They were undefeated. They were thirteenth. It was raining. We're like, we're going with Baylor Romney. Who's Baylor Romney? Oh, he's the brother of the other. The walk on uh, third string. How, how did he play in El Paso and his brother played in Arizona? You know all those things of like, where are the Romneys coming from? And then he beat them. The Mormon colonies, Dave. Yeah, all Mormon my homies colonies. down there. And then he beat them. And. Uh, and it was just fantastic. And, and so his highs and lows, we talk about the highs. Uh, some of his moments at BYU, he will talk about four years because we will be too. Yeah, they he were big. Had some amazing throws, tremendous arm. He was ready when BYU needed him multiple times. Uh, and so best of luck to Baylor Romney. We'll see what Gunnar Romney's decision is. I'd love for Gunnar to come back against that schedule because certainly BYU could use him. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Now joining us, ESPN's Trevor Maddich, who has been a busy beaver in Bristol with ESPN. He's always busy doing stuff. Trevor, welcome back to the program, and Happy New Year. 
Happy New Year. Can you believe it's already 2019? <laughs> it's been the I longest decade the of our last lives. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. COVID yeah. season three. What's going to happen this year? Um, okay. Let's talk about some BYU news that's happened. We've been breaking it down on the show. Tyler Algier, of course, announces he's going to go to the NFL. Neil Pau Baylor Romney says he's going to move on. He's reportedly in the transfer portal, just going to see what happens. He doesn't necessarily have to play per se, but what's your reaction to all of this news? Let's start with Tyler Algier. Well, it's he. I don't know what else he could do to improve his ability to enter the NFL that he's already done. He is a phenomenal power runner. He runs for speed. He's good at, at misdirection and making guys miss for a back his size. He can catch out of the backfield, and he's proven to be a very good blocker on pass protection. And so I don't know what he would what he would do to tell scouts anything more than he's already told them with the film that he's already produced. And so while it's hard for BYU to lose such a, a talented player, at the same time, this really is the time for him to go and give it a shot at the next level. What do you think about the backup quarterback as a former national champion center at BYU? How important is that spot as the Cougars look to replace Romney? I don't think we would have won the national championship had it not been for Blaine Fowler, who was our backup quarterback to Robbie Bosco. And all you have to do is look at the Holiday Bowl against Michigan. They dove into Robbie's knee. He had to be helped off the field in the second quarter. And here comes Blaine. And Michigan at that time, you could say, had the momentum, or at least it was in the balance. And here comes the backup quarterback, and Blaine Fowler did more than hold it together. Blaine Fowler kept the ball rolling so that Michigan could not jump on top of us at that point. And had it not been for Blaine's preparation and his skill and his talent, I don't know that we would have won the national championship because I think we would have fallen behind at that point. And so the backup quarterback is absolutely massive. And that's one of the things that young players can learn from Blaine is that even when you're, you're not playing in meaningful situations as often as you want earlier in the season, you still are a critical component. And the way Blaine prepared is the model for everybody that plays that backup position. Ten straight games to start the season again for BYU, then uh, a bye, and then an FCS opponent in Dixie State, live on BYU TV, and then Stanford. What's your reaction to BYU playing ten straight games again next season without a bye? Well, they're going to have to get their their depth squared away again, right? This year their depth was absolutely tested. And I think they got a feeling for what that's like to play that kind of a schedule that relentlessly and what it means for the next man up. And again, we go back to the example of Blaine, where you get yourself ready as if you're the starter because you could be at a critical moment at any point. A lot of BYU players, young players, learn that firsthand this year. And I think the fact that they had to rotate so many guys in will help them in terms of their depth for next year. Look, we got to stop talking about Blaine or his head's not even going to fit in this <laughs> fit in this studio. And i got a game with him coming up on Thursday night. Trevor, I was just looking at your 84 schedule, and you had two buys before the end of October. Uh, BYU's last year as an independent coming up this fall, again, going those 10 straight. Uh, that That's going to change uh, clearly with the Big 12. I think those buys will be much more friendly, won't they, moving forward? Yeah, the buys uh, will be absolutely necessary. And, and conference, hopefully, will make sure that everybody's got a, a good shake when it comes to the buys. As an independent, you've got to schedule those games when your opponent can give you those games. When you're in a conference, especially as you enter conference play, then the conference front office will have an opportunity to make sure that's balanced. 
BYU goes ten and three, and uh, we hope finishes in the top twenty-five. Uh, you know, at the end of this season, next season BYU plays five Power Fives, four of which are in the top twenty-five right now: Notre Dame, Baylor, Oregon, Arkansas. It feels like that schedule is tougher because there's tougher opponents, despite having fewer Power Fives. What's your opinion? Sure. Well, it's because of the rankings of those opponents, and that's uh, and also conference. I mean, you talk about now Arkansas and the SEC. Arkansas gave some of the best teams in the SEC fits at times this year, not Georgia, but they played really well. And so Notre Dame, top 10 caliber program, was fired up about their new head coach, Marcus Freeman, replacing Brian Kelly. So the, the quality of the opponents are are really an upgrade. So you had all those power five opponents this year, uh, but I think on balance next year's is tougher because top to bottom, you've got, I think, a higher level of competition. And that's just another reason why BYU will need to have their depth squared away. It also means that they'll need to be really squared away in the passing game because they'll be facing some defenses that historically have done very well in slowing down the running game. And this is where the passing game is going to need to really step it up even another notch. All right, let's talk about all these bowl games. We've watched most of them. I think there were a thousand. Were there a thousand? And there were four of them that were yeah. pretty good. Um, <laughs> oh, now, now. Come on. All right, five, five. I, I forgot the other one. Um, so, Trevor, yeah. now that two thousand teams, we're coming down to, <laughs> to we're coming down to Alabama and Georgia for a rematch, which uh, they probably could have scheduled in July. And and these are the two best teams that that have worked out. But the fact that we're going to get this game for the championship game, and then there's such a gulf between everybody else, do you think that will speed up this 12-team playoff notion so that there is just more interest around these other games as opposed to the two top teams in the SEC just playing again? I think it might speed it up. Dave, and I think that people that are not in the SEC that are upset that once again you've got two SEC teams in the final, uh, what they need to do is beat them. Beat them. You don't like it? Don't complain about it. Don't try to drag them down. Just beat them. How to do that? To do what they did in order to get to the top. We think of Alabama as the juggernaut that it's become under Nick Saban, but before Saban, eh, it was a pretty good team. What did Saban do? You do that. But I think that the the 12-team playoff does need to happen for the reason that you mentioned, Dave. It's because it'll keep more regions of the country more interested for longer. You just look at the Pac-12, for example, and even the Big 12. In, in many years, they have not been, and certainly this last year, has not been in the conversation for the playoff as we got into the stretch run of the season because of losses that they incurred early. And so a lot of fans would check out and say, okay, well, we're, it's just a regional uh, game now. It shouldn't be a regional game. It should remain a national game. And that's one of the great things about the 12-team playoff as proposed, that even if you lose a couple of games early, because maybe you, you've got a young quarterback, Maybe you've got a new coaching staff and you're getting acclimated to the system. Maybe you had some injuries. But at the end, you're playing like a playoff caliber team. Well, if you got a couple losses early, you won't be considered for the playoff in a four-team playoff. And if you are able to, in a 12-team playoff, play well and win your conference, you can still get in and make some noise. And that keeps fans interested all around the country. I think that's important for the game. ESPN's Trevor Maddich is on BYU Sports Nation, and perhaps it affects the opt-outs. Let's talk about that. Obviously, Kirk Herbstreit and Desmond Howard's had some comments that got a lot of attention. What's your opinion of players opting out for bowl games as it pertains to love of the game, let's say? Well, I've got tremendous respect for Kirk and Desmond, but I see this subject differently than they do. I think you can love the game and still opt out. 
because there's a future that you're looking to. And it depends on the individual player. That's why I wouldn't put it as, as just one blanket standard that everybody uh, needs to follow. For example, a few years ago, there was a running back at Baylor who had a bit of a knucklehead tendency, got suspended by his own coach, came back, played, decided that he was going to opt out of the bowl game. Well, the NFL wanted to see him play that bowl game because they needed to see that he loved the game, that he can come back from knucklehead behavior and beat discipline and finish. And he didn't show him that. And I don't think he ever did make it in the NFL. I think he wasn't drafted. But then again, you've got other guys that Leonard Fournette, for example, Super Bowl champion last year, running back with Tampa Bay. At LSU, he played with a bad ankle. He opted out of the bowl game. And a lot of people said he didn't love the game. But what you're doing by compelling players to play in those games that are exhibition games, not the, not the playoff games, of course. What you're doing is you're, you're compelling them, pressuring them to put pressure on their future that they don't want to put on it. For example, Kenny Pickett, who is said to be the first quarterback taken in this draft, probably will be first or second, certainly played for Pitt, opted out from the bowl game. And a lot of people said, well, gee, you needed to play. Well, why? He already laid down all the film that he needed to for NFL scouts to know what he's going to do. And at that point, at the end of the, the regular season and the conference championship game, at that point, Pickett, if he just stayed healthy until the time he signed his name on the contract, he would be guaranteed millions of dollars, life-changing money for himself and his family, guaranteed if he just stays healthy. And if he decides that he doesn't want to risk two weeks of bowl practice, and then a bowl game where who knows who's playing in that game that might want to make a, make a name for himself and dive into his legs, right? If he doesn't want to take that risk, then I think the locker room and the program also need to be loyal to him and say, thank you for everything you've done for us. And we understand that you want to maximize your opportunity and potential to go forward. And I think that that loyalty goes both ways and the love of the game needs to go both ways too. It seems to me, and I could be wrong, that uh, going into the 84 Michigan game at the Holiday Bowl, Michigan 6-5, and five, BYU's playing for some stuff, but if Glenn Kozlowski told you, Craig Garrick, and Robert and I that he was going to sit this one out, I think the three of you would punch him in the face. <laughs> no, no. Two of us would punch him in the face. The other one would punch him somewhere else. And so, yeah, <laughs> But see, that, that game was for the national championship for us, not for Michigan, but for us. And nobody even considered stepping out. This is why we're talking about exhibition bowl games. Now, the Rose Bowl is different. Ohio State had, had four starters, I believe. Yeah. Um, opt out of the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl. You opt out of the Rose Bowl. Okay. But if that's what you feel is best for you, okay, it's not the playoff. And that's what the important thing is. For me personally, playing in that game, let's say it wasn't for the national championship. Playing for that game was critical to my future in the NFL. And I didn't even consider opting out, never would have, even if it wasn't for the national championship. But because of the schedule that we played, we faced Michigan now. And their nose guard was Mark Messner, one of only two Wolverines to ever go four straight years as a starter, first team all Big Ten for Michigan football. Never happened before or since, except two guys. Mesner was one, and that was his sophomore year. And the NFL got to see me against that guy. And I think that helped me become a first-round draft choice. So it really does depend on what the individual circumstances are as to how you evaluate whether or not they should have opted out. It's certainly a different era. Uh, and it's interesting to hear the opinions uh, from you, Trevor. We appreciate the time. Happy holidays. Hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Georgia, Alabama. Who you got, by the way? Who's your pick? Uh, right now I'm leaning Alabama. And the reason is that 
that Georgia, I still don't know that their defensive backfield will be able to handle the, the passing attack a second time against the Titans. I think that's the difference. Okay, Alabama. We'll talk to you next week, Trev. Appreciate the time. Thanks, All Trev. Right. Thanks, guys. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. First place BYU men's basketball. Technically speaking, that is the truth. How long will that last? And will it last to the point where BYU is at least the second best team in the West Coast Conference when all is said and done at the end of the 2022 campaign? Jerem, on a scale of 1 to 10, mm. what is your confidence level that this current form of BYU basketball, injury-plagued, finding ugly ways to win, is still the second best WCC team? Like seven and a half. I just need to see BYU play St. Mary's. To really know. That's the litmus and test. And I want to see BYU play uh, San Francisco. Gonzaga. If BYU beats Gonzaga once this year, it'd be fantastic. That'd be great. That's They're over there. We, we know. Is San Francisco legit? We're going to find out in person next Saturday, right? Um, in San Francisco, BYU's going to play the Dons. Wait, they could have seen them in Salt Lake yesterday. They played Loyola Chicago. Um, huge game. Huge game uh, tomorrow night because we're going to see just how good St. Mary's is. St. Mary's certainly good. The numbers are good. I've seen them play in person. They're good. Like, they're back to St. Mary's top 40 type team, um, you know, on the bubble or in type group. They're back to being a team that makes me make weird, ugly faces. Yes. Because they're frustrated. No ugly faces, just smiles because BYU dominated. But tomorrow's a huge game, man. Um, We're going to see. So, I'm, and my confident, uh, my confidence is in question due to no bigs for BYU besides Foos right now. Atiki's not playing a ton. Right, he's a freshman. Um, Mark Pope told you after the game he needs to play more. We'll see because Matthias Toss is six ten and like thick, right? Yes, BYU so needs size. With with Foose, that's going to be a tough matchup. Of course, Foose provides a long wingspan and broad shoulders and is is tough uh, down low. But like, can he match up and neutralize Matthias Toss and company? Um, Dan Foto is a tough matchup for BYU. I think maybe he and Caleb Lohner would be interesting. Um, the guard line matchup is going to be spectacular with Logan Johnson, Tommy Cousy versus Tijon Lucas, Alex Parcell. So I won't really know how I feel, at least the initial thought, until after the game tomorrow night. I'm glad this game is in Provo. Yes, Because sure. if this game were in Moraga, I would not feel nearly as confident. I'm glad that BYU gets to play St. Mary's in Moraga in the future and not tomorrow night because the way the BYU's played the last few games against Westminster and Pacific and maybe it's the COVID situation and holiday travel and it just and maybe the first half was enough to shake off the rust from the holidays. You'd think and then it's you got like things going in the yeah. second half. BYU wins by 22, but I'm a little bit lower than you on the confidence scale just because I feel like the difference between second, third, and fourth, I mean, we're splitting hairs right now between... BYU and St. Mary's, and then even throw San Francisco into that mix. Normally, I'd be like a like a nine and a half. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably um, like a six and a half. Right. Yeah. I, no, I I feel you. Similar level of like, hey, it, and and if Richard Harwin, even just one of those two, if Gavin Baxter is playing, I'm eight, like eight and a half, hundred percent. Yes, BYU is the second best team because Gavin was coming off three double digit. Scoring games, and he, the knee was getting healthy, and he was running the floor so well and blocking shots. Now it's like, I'm not exactly sure how BYU is going. To, it, playing Pacific's one thing. Pacific's terrible, 298 in net. They're awful 
as of yesterday. I, I haven't seen if they dropped it. They probably climbed because they played BYU, who's, who's 30. We'll see what happens, man. St. Mary's is good. This is going to be a battle royale like it normally is. It's going to be messy. It's going to be fun. It's going to be crazy and teeth grinding and Randy Bennett in the oversized suit. Like It's going to be great. I can't wait. If you want to know what the game is going to be like, just watch what St. Mary's and Utah State did in Logan. Jeremy, you were at that I was game. At, I was at that game. I feel like it's going to be like that type of game. St. Mary's started 0 for 13 from 3 in that game. They were awful. Like If that happens, BYU wins. BYU's shooting the three really well right now. 12-24 last night. They're just turning the ball over too much. Yeah, you win by 22 despite, what, 17 turnovers? Wild. It would have been 35. Yes, 40-point win. 10. BYU averages, I think, 12, right? That's crazy. Okay, how many, topic two, how many St. Franzaga, that's what we're calling St. Mary's San Francisco, congrats, you're in the San Francisco's been upgraded. Yeah, and Gonzaga wins. Comfort plus. St. St. Franzaga Wins does BYU need to have to secure the two seed of the West Coast Conference tournament? Remember, you go all the way to the semis if you're the one or two. Okay, so out of the six games, we hope that BYU gets to play oh, against these teams. No, right? no, no, that's happening. The league will make that. happen. They will make it happen. That the will happen. Six games yeah. that BYU I'm has confident. scheduled right now will happen at some point against St. Mary's, San Francisco, and Gonzaga. I feel like BYU needs to secure at least three of those. Amen. Yeah, three and three in those six games would be enough to put BYU in second place. Well. And let's be honest. Let's just assume two losses to Gonzaga. If BYU wins one of those, amazing. You 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 upset the apple cart. You, but if you win the other three, you're sweeping one you're, of the other two you're teams. Three of four, yeah. Yep. Exactly. Hopefully, you win both uh, uh, home games and you lose one road. The one road probably at in Moraga would be uh, understandable, acceptable. Losing at San Francisco is something we've seen Spencer a bunch of times. It feels like. As much as Pepperdine, oddly. No, Pepperdine but, has beaten BYU more. <laughs> if BYU doesn't play Pep or Portland at all this year, I'd be fine with that. Like, until the past few years, BYU won at War Memorial Gymnasium in San Francisco. But things have changed under even, their new head coach, Todd Golden. Even the 2019-20 team lost at San Francisco. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Like, that team was uh, you know, amazing and still lost that one. Three and three will get it done. Three and three would get it done. I agree with that number, which brings us to our resume update. Cue the music. Nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Ned is 30. That stayed the same. Ken Palm's 26. These are great numbers. Hey, and that's in spite of playing number 298 in right? the night rankings Pacific last night. I'll right? take it. 8.78 bracket matrix. Bracketology up to an 8 today. And because BYU's 1-0 and Gonzaga hasn't played yet, BYU is the automatic qualifier <laughs> from Joe Lenardi. Which this morning I was like, why is BYU the AQ? And, and you and Ben explained. It's because in the conference standings, BYU's the only team. They're the They're only leading. team that has a win. Yeah, so uh, up to an eight, which, listen, if this team without Gavin Baxter and Richard Harvard actually secures a single-digit seed, amazing. to me, I'm like, just make it to the tournament. With those two losses, just make it. If BYU beats St. Mary's tomorrow, and that eight seed starts to feel like a real solid eight in Lenardi's bracketology. That can be undone quickly, though. Like, if, if BYU loses that San Francisco they, next yes. week. Remember... These next three games are massive for BYU. St. Mary's at home, at Gonzaga Thursday, at San Francisco Saturday. Woo! BYU's got to take care of business at home. Like, worst case scenario, they need to beat St. Mary's at home. Hold serve, yes. And then whatever happens on the road against Gonzaga and San Francisco happens. What are we calling just St. Mary's and San Francisco? San Uh, San Mary's? um, (laughs) Yeah, or St. Francisco. St. Francisco? I like that. (laughs) 
I like that one. You got to take care of St. Francisco. Three and one against St. Francisco. Because, like, yes, if BYU beats the Zags, of course it's going to add the best possible win BYU could have on the resume. Let's just pencil in losses there. And if BYU wins those, great. But if not, you got to take care of business in three of the four against St. Mary's and San Francisco. It'll be interesting, too, because I, I want to make this point before we finish. The committee does not look at um, teams by league and go, well, we only think this is a three-bid league, so you know, one of you doesn't get in. They look at every team individually, and then they just happen to be attached to that conference. Sure. They may look at, oh, games against these teams uh, who are also in your league and how many from that league, da, da, da. But they're not looking to secure X amount from a certain league. Look at the ACC this year. Like, it's not great. Down. Yeah, so it's not like, well, I don't know if it's a three-bid league. It's an individual conversation with the selection committee. Yeah, amazingly, I don't feel like my initial projection of what BYU was going to do this season goes down that much. Uh, they went 12-3 and three in the non-conference. I feel like I, I had them with six losses overall, but that's with Gavin Baxter and Richard Harwood in the right. lineup. I would add a loss A loss, two. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably at four losses in conference and seven overall. Team ranking says 11-5 and five in WCC play. Ooh. Five feels like a lot. Four, four would be fine. Okay. Two to Gonzaga. Our question of the day, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are all of you that BYU men's basketball remains the second best team You mean the best? in the West Coast Conference? Want to know? Right now they're number one. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Ah, uh, yes, I was waiting for a response like this. At Tom New for answers on Twitter. He says, ask me after the game Saturday. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at. By the way, uh, Bentley Hanshaw, uh, tied in, who hasn't played a ton for BYU, in the transfer portal, is going to Liberty. BYU plays Liberty. It's a little matchup. We'll see, you, we'll see you again, Bentley. The transfer portal always creates some weird emotional dynamics because BYU gets a running back, Christopher Brooks, who we will talk to later, who's going to go back and play in the Pac-12 against his old rival, Stanford. Yep. And then Houston A. Mooley was a Stanford guy, and now Playing he's a BYU, and he closes the season next year or a next season against his former team. Yeah, it'll be like the Virginia game all over again. Hey, guys. Hey, brother. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU quarterback Jaron Hall was fantastic this last season as a new quarter Cougar quarterback after Zach Wilson, leading the Cougars to an 8-2 and record in his 10 starts, including a BYU record six wins versus Power 5 teams. Pro Football Focus's Cam Meller has him as a potential NFL first-round pick in 2023. Do you believe Jaron Hall has first-round potential? I think he does have first-round potential. Now, again, that doesn't mean he's going to be taken in the first round, but does he have the skill set that you look for in quarterbacks that usually get taken in the first round? Yeah, I think he does. And I think a lot of what we've seen this last year has, has proven that. Now, we look at almost every NFL quarterback that gets drafted these days. What's one of the things that used to be, you know, you had, to, you had to be a pocket passer. You have to be able to throw for 400 yards. And we're certainly we're seeing that with guys, certainly like a Joe Burrow and, you know, guys like that. But 
quarterbacks that are getting taken these days not only can throw the ball, but they move the pocket. Doesn't necessarily mean they have to run. That certainly helps. But they have to be able to move the pocket. And we've seen that's what Jaron Hall can do. Jaron Hall's ability to move the pocket and his threat of running allows him to be able to do some things and that I think NFL teams certainly pay attention to. I think the other thing that, that works in his favor, and now we've seen this in consecutive seasons, he is in an offense that will showcase his abilities. And so I think that we saw what, what Zach was able to do in this offense. We saw how that turned out, being a number two pick. Being in the same offense and having it catered to you uh, as the quarterback, to your skill set, I think that that will pay dividends for a guy like Jaron Hall. Now, where he gets drafted, I don't know. But does he have first-round potential? I think his skill set, I, 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 that, that's not a crazy statement in my mind. Shout-out to Cam Miller, who first identified that Zach Wilson was going to be awesome. He said it before we even said it, right? Um, we kind of reacted to it later and was like, whoa, Zach's looking good now. Um, he, Cam Miller, one offseason, was like, yeah, he only had two uh, interceptions that were his fault last year. In 2019, it was like, what? It was like, okay, okay. So if he's saying this about Jared, I believe it. He's because... the BYU quarterback whisperer. <laughs> yes, he is. I, this is quite the statement. I like it. Um, do I think Jaron Hall will be a first-round pick? That would be amazing. I think if he's a day-two guy, that would be quite an accomplishment, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Over the past five seasons, the first round, 4.2 quarterbacks of four. Drafted on average, four. It is really hard. And then the total number of uh, quarterbacks drafted in a seven-round NFL draft the last five years is about 11 a year. It is very difficult to be drafted at all. Yeah. At all. So if Jaron Hall could be a first-round pick, that would be incredible. And you look at the track record of BYU quarterbacks now under Kalani Sitake. Taysmill wasn't his recruit, but he was his senior. And then Zach Wilson was absolutely Kalani Sitake's guy. Got him from Boise State. Iowa was in the mix late. Obviously, Utah didn't work out, blah, blah, blah. Well, he would have been fourth on their depth chart, so. Exactly. Um, this, is, this is awesome. Yeah, does he have first-round potential? If he, he's going to have to increase his volume quite a bit and stay healthy to have this chance. But what we saw from him, efficiency 156 is good. Completion percentage, 64%. Threw for an average of 258 a game passing. Those are good numbers. Um, 20 touchdowns and five picks. Like, Aaron Roderick in the prep for the Idaho State game was really emphasized Jaron Hall's decision-making. Great decisions, his ability to run. Um, the deep ball was awesome, yeah. thanks to Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney and Samson Nakua and, and everybody. I He's certainly got a shot. I think if he's a day-two guy, that would be quite the accomplishment as well. I, I also think the teams you beat also gets people's attention, and that was another dividend of last year, a benefit. Yes. That look, look not only yeah. not only look how what he did, look what he did against who he did it, you know, they, the, the opponents. Not all BYU quarterbacks had this chance. Correct. Li- literally nobody but Jaron Hall has won, you know, six power yes. five games in a season for BYU. That's an incredible accomplishment. All right, topic number two. Despite where things stood when the Cougars played them, as of today, only one of BYU basketball's games is showing up as a quad one. That one game is the loss to Utah Valley. How about that? That's crazy to think about that that's the lone quad one game right now. You could argue it's a good loss in that regard. Granted, you wanted to win the game. Yes, I you want it. to win the game, yes. They're probably not a quad one if UVU loses. Correct. So here's the question. Can BYU get an at-large bid with zero non-conference quad one victories? It is a tremendous question. Joe Lenardi is saying yes. 
because he has BYU and a nine. <sighs> On March 10th or whatever the date is of Selection Sunday, I'm trying to remember, is, is, it, is that going to fly? That feels rough. Um, granted, if one of your wins is Gonzaga, yes. Um, if San Francisco stays quad one, yes. Um, because you'd have St. Mary's, San Francisco, Gonzaga, you'd think the league's going to hook that up, by the way. That's going to happen, you would think. Um, then, then maybe you're fine because they may not care about the non-conference. But to have zero non-conference quad one wins right now feels kind of weird. Five and two in quad two. What we hope is that several of those quad twos uh, those wins become yes, that they quad can, ones yes. in two months. We still it's still early, but it is concerning. And if you told me right now, do you do you take Lenardi's nine or do you play it out and see if you can get something better? I would take it because I am concerned about no post. You know, you know, no five, no big four right now um, with BYU to lean on freshmen at that position is going to be difficult. BYU's going through a transition phase right now. We talked about it yesterday with Dave McCann. Alex Barcelo last two games has not been a double-digit scorer. BYU's leaning on freshmen in that position. I think BYU will figure it out. It's just a process that's going to take a second. And if San Francisco is actually really good this year, we'll see. Jury's still out for me, even at 13-1. and one. You can go up and see him at Salt Lake Community <laughs> College and see how legit they are. <laughs> yes, I can. Go Bruins. <laughs> It's it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out in the next two months. Yeah, look, the biggest reason I'm going to say yes, they can is what you brought up. The fact that they've gone through their non-conference and Joe Lenardi still has them in. So, so according to the guy that most of us trust the most for this, says that it's good enough to get them in today, then I'm willing to say yes. Now, is it ideal? Well, no, you certainly would want more, and I agree with you. There's a, there's a good chance that some of those two quad twos or maybe even some of the quad threes have a chance to climb up and, and do something else and be a better victory for BYU down the stretch. But I think the fact that it is that BYU is still in as a nine seed right now with no quad one non-conference wins is a good sign. Again, it's not ideal, and you, you certainly don't want – you want to be able to force the issue. You don't want to leave it into the hands of somebody else to make a judgment call. Like, hopefully, San Diego State's yeah. good. So, so hopefully want. you get some of those down the road uh, that, that turn into better victories than what they look like right now. But I, I think the fact that they're in now is, is a good sign, so I'm going to say yes, they can do it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. BYU just picked up a big-time transfer out of the Bay Area and Berkeley. The newest BYU running back, transfer from Cal, Christopher Brooks, joins us live on BYU Sports Nation, making his show debut. He's staying hydrated. hydrated, We like to see that. Christopher, great to have you on the show. How are you feeling this morning? I feel great. Thanks for having me. Hey, you got it. And uh, welcome to the madness that is BYU football and the fandom that is <laughs> already surrounding you. When did BYU pop up onto your radar as a potential landing spot? Uh, December 28th, I believe. You know the exact date. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was just... Uh, I think they were just looking for a running back that day. And then, you know, I had a business decision to make. And, you know, hit me up. And I was just like, oh, snap. 
you know, we all know what BYU can do. We all know what the offense was about. You know, we all know what the head coach is about. You know, love and learn. And an opportunity just presented itself. Why was BYU an enticing fit in addition to those things you just mentioned? Like, why for you personally was, hey, grad school and this opportunity at running back, obviously, with Tyler Algier leaving? Well, really, I think it just encompassed me as a person as well. Um, not only as an athlete, but off the field as well. And so it was just the right fit, you know, at the right time. And that was really what made it click for me, you know, what really drew, drew me away, what separated itself from everybody else. Now, Christopher, let's be honest. How much did BYU's 5-0 and record against the Pac-12 and a de facto Pac-12 championship factor into your desire to be in Provo? Oh, I know. I actually just found that out, like, recently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I we, thought that was pretty impressive. We had some fun with that. Um, it's going to be yeah. fun to have uh, Houston Haymuli from Stanford, who you played a couple times as a rival now in the backfield. Um, did you know yeah. him before? Is there a relationship there? No, I actually, you know, never knew him. You know, I, I never knew anybody on Stanford. And it was really a coincidence, you know, rivals coming to play, play with each other. And so I thought that was pretty cool. And now you can play Stanford again yeah. in the regular season. Yeah, what do you think of the schedule right. lineup? You're going to face your old Pac-12 rival Stanford to close out the regular season. Houston Haymuli will face his former team to close out the regular season. But overall, what do you think of the 2022 schedule that BYU has lined up? Uh, I haven't looked at the schedule too much, but I think it's a great opportunity. You know, I think there's an opportunity to be great. You know, I think it's an opportunity to just, you know, show what we're about here and – I think everything just lies ahead in front of us. Let's tell you what the schedule is, then. This is exciting. Okay, there's Notre Dame in Vegas. That's fun. This is not in any particular order. There's at Oregon. You know what that's like. There's at Stanford. Uh, there's Baylor at home. Uh, these are some of the better games. There's Boise State on the road, of course. So it's the last schedule of independence for BYU, and it's, it's a good one. What kind of opportunity is there for you individually to try and make it to the NFL and to try and help BYU uh, win as many games as possible? Uh, I think there's tremendous opportunity, you know. I think uh, there's opportunity to just be great. But more importantly, I think it's about pitting, you know, my head down and not only me, but everybody and just working hard each day. You know, we can't get to the first game if, you know, we don't get through today's workout. You know, it starts with today. And today, you know, chances to tomorrow. And so the more, you know, today's we can have – the better today's, you know, we can get to the, the next day. So it's about taking, you know, baby steps. You know, we have to be where our feet are. And that's just about, you know, taking it day by day. That's what it's about, really. New BYU running back Christopher Brooks is with us on BYU Sports Nation, the Cal transfer in Provo. And while we're talking about NFL ambitions, everybody and every BYU fan wants to know what your skill set is like. They've seen highlights and some resume, but in your mind, if you were to pattern your skill set and game after an NFL running back, who would you compare it to? Um, you know, I've got this question many times before, and, you know, I really try to think, and I really can't think of anybody I run like. Uh, I think just myself. I mean, it's really hard to describe because um, I don't do anything, you know, too fancy. I don't do anything, you know. So I'm kind of just a balanced type guy who kind of just likes to do everything, willing to do anything to just help my team win. 
I'm excited for you to run behind this offensive line. Uh, this line's going to be legit. Um, let's talk about your name. So do you go by Christopher or does Chris work? Uh, really, I've always just told, you know, anybody could just call me, you know, whatever. You know, I've gone Chris, Christopher, CB, uh, Breezy. Um, I really just get it all. I mean, you can call me Chris. Whatever makes you feel comfortable, really. <laughs> CB with the TD. Yeah, I, I like that. I think we're going to hear that a bunch this season. Um, and then the other thing is, you used to go by Chris Brown. Uh, now you go by Brooks. Um, I read that's your mom's maiden name. Will you tell us the story behind that? Right, right. Right, right, right. So I just uh, did that change, I think, a year or two ago, just as, you know, honor my mom's, you know, hard work and compassion that, you know, she's instilled in me growing up. What does she mean to you? Uh, she means everything to me. You know, I know everything because of her. and You know, I just, you know, work to just, you know, live a better way. Christopher, as you look at BYU and the program status overall, what was your first impression of BYU? And maybe that happened back in 2018 when you and Cal came to Provo, won the game against BYU. But what what was your very first impression of BYU if if that was the game when it happened? Um, when I came over here in 2018, um, obviously the elevation was crazy. You know, we got a little tired. But um, playing against BYU was like, you know, you wanted to smash them, you know, wanted to win at their house. I mean, it was a fun game, but um, I've always known that they had a good system here that, you know, they've always done things the right way. Uh, the running backs always made noise. I believe when I came here, I mean, I think it was Tyson Williams. I mean, the running backs, you know, they're, they're, they're producing, you know, so I knew that. Uh, obviously, the quarterbacks are really good. I remember coming here, um, 2018, I remember seeing like a 6'9 defensive lineman. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Corbett Kabusi. So I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, you know, then I, I'm hearing like everybody's older, you know, and then I was like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you feel pressure to be Tyler Algier? Because you're certainly a different guy and a different style, and BYU just had an amazing season from this guy, and you're the next guy. So naturally, some fans will be like, hey, maybe he's the Tyler Algier. But you're you're Christopher Brooks. You're gonna do your own thing. Yeah, I'm just me, you know, and I'm gonna do me, and I'm gonna be me, and you know, I'm a team guy, and I just love to win, you know. So I'm gonna be me. That's all I'm gonna do. And that's great. And that's good enough. Absolutely. Um, if you haven't already, the athletic director Tom Homel used to be the head coach at Cal. He'll probably connect with you right, if, right. if he hasn't already. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I just met him. Awesome. Awesome. And if you need yeah. any pointers about Provo, Utah, like where to eat or whatever, not that you wouldn't get those from your teammates or from your coaches, we're happy to offer what we can, Christopher. Great to talk to you, man. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Thanks for welcoming me into Provo. Thank you. Hey, stay, stay hydrated, too. Let's go. Great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Christopher Brooks on BYU Sports Nation, the new running back for the Cougars. I, super mature, right? Really like, sharp like, young man. Yep. And and I, I thought it was important to to talk to him about you don't have to be Tyler Algier, like you're you're you you be you right no and, and I, that's going to be I good figured enough. he would say that once he told us you know hey compare yourself to an NFL running back he's like I'm just me and he hadn't even seen the schedule I would think that the schedule is a big convo in recruiting anybody to be like he hadn't even seen it no he and said, he mentioned love and learn he knows all the day. it fits me as a person this that's program great. this school that's great 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 to have him here yeah I'm so excited to see. You.
That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.